Welcome to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. This week, Todd, Amy, and Carl will answer the question, can we hold on to the ethics of Christianity without the doctrine of Christianity? Keep listening. We'll find out what happens when we think we can. At the end of the podcast, we'll tell you how to download a free MP3, Creeds, Confessions, and Catechisms by Reverend Ken Jones. Well, today we want to start our program in a slightly unusual way by answering a question we've received from one of our uh, five avid listeners. Uh, this is from uh, uh, Barbara. Uh, we'll, we won't give her address away as we don't want her being victimized uh, by people. But she asks this question. Uh, Pastor Todd cracks me up with his soft, sensitive speech pattern. Does he do that just to sound more sensitive than Dr. Truman? Todd, any comments on that? You sensitive that's ex- man, you. That's exactly why I do it. Um... <laughs> Wow, my soft, sensitive speaking pattern. I, I never thought, I mean, I, I've, I've been told I have a face for radio, but I've never been told I have a voice for radio. Um, I'm, I'm actually quite flattered by that. Carl, Amy, do you think I have a soft, sensitive voice? Well, you know, I, I give soothed. you calls in the evening to help tuck my kids into bed. You know, you <laughs> reading the story and saying the prayers just helps lull them to sleep a lot better than than my voice. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You are the sort of I, PCA's answer to uh, um, a Barry White. Uh, that's what I've heard. <laughs> sure. Well, I do, um, every Sunday morning, I do uh, perform for my church. I perform a, 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 a one of the volumes from, from Barry White's uh, catalog. Um, and uh, it's always quite moving. But uh, no, I, I think it's just from the cigars, really. Mm. You know? The Excellent. cigars? Excellent. Yeah. Well, anyway, if, if you're at, what was her, what was her name again, Carl? Just her first name? It's Barbara. But we don't want to give the Barbara. full name away, lest it cause embarrassment Ex- to her husband. Ex- I think on this. Call. Exactly. <laughs> Barbara. Barbara. If you're out there, this podcast is for you, Barbara. And I hope I hope that my soft, sensitive voice will soothe you today. Well, that's good. I'm moved. So, I'm, I'm deeply moved. Yeah. I, I was falling asleep there, actually, Todd. That was having a remarkable time. <laughs> anyway, guys, I, what I'm are we going to talk about career. today? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, f- I found an article uh, that Jonathan Merritt uh, posted over at uh, where he writes uh, for uh, the Religious uh, News Service. And um, it's a story that I was f- I'd gotten familiar with just a couple of weeks prior to that. And that's the, uh, the coming out, if you like, of Bart Campolo as an agnostic humanist. Uh, Bart Campolo, of course, the son of Tony Campolo, serves as the humanist chaplain at the University of Southern California. And there are such things as humanist chaplains. That was actually sort of new for me. Um, but uh, just in the last couple of years, Bart has gone public with the fact that uh, he's, he's not a believer, um, agnostic in, in relation to his uh, belief about God, no longer affirms Christianity. And uh, the article is interesting that, that Jonathan Merritt posted. It, it deals with the, the, the conversation that he had when he sat his parents down and uh, told them that he was no longer a uh, professing Christian. And um, it's fascinating. It's sad, um, but it's also interesting because I think it tells us a lot about 
what maybe we would call a creedless Christianity, and that ultimately um, it's not really a sustainable project. That is a Christianity that seeks to hold on to, uh, let's say, the ethics of Jesus without any of the doctrines connected to Jesus. What do you all think as you read that post? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. He says, I passed just about every stage of honesty on my, or heresy, I'm sorry, on my way to apostasy. It wasn't until Mm -hmm. I exhausted every option for staying a Christian that I gave it up. So that just made me think about how this, this whole premise of Christianity being kind of comprised of uh, different cafeteria options that Mm -hmm. he's like um, trying to hold on to one or two or make his own tray of what Christianity is until finally he realizes that, well, I, I'm not, in fact, a Christian at all, right. which I'm glad he was honest mm-hmm. about that. But that whole premise that you can exhaust every option for staying a Christian, like there's certain things that you can hold to while rejecting other things still and still call yourself a Christian. Right, right. It's troubling. Yeah, I think the, yeah, I, I, think, I think the poker tell in this is his quote that he... Um, what, what attracted him to Christianity was not Jesus and the resurrection, but right. the chance to change the world and to do justice. Mm-hmm. Love and community, which he right, still very the, much wants to affirm. Right. Yeah. yeah so he was looking Jesus for, stuff. we might say, a religious idiom to express certain uh, very worthy, in many ways, very worthy aspirations mm-hmm. in terms of... Uh, social aspirations, uh, politics, that kind of thing. And there were three. I noted in looking through the article, there seemed to have been three specific things that that contributed to his move away from, from Christianity. One of them was an inability to, to find an answer to the problem of evil. Mm-hmm. One of them was his personal interaction with homosexual friends that led to him changing his position on uh, the acceptability of homosexuality. And the third one... Well, the final final move was really his acceptance of, of universalism. And I think mm-hmm. the first two of those are particularly interesting. Uh, the problem of evil, that's a problem for everyone. And I actually don't think that ceasing to be a Christian solves the problem for you. No. Uh, mm. um, the book of Job is, is critical, I think, for Christians here because the book of Job essentially tells us that while there is a solution to the problem of evil, we have no real access to it beyond what God mm-hmm. has chosen to reveal to us. Many, right. many imponderables remain there. That's not to belittle the issue here that was raised was, was the gang rape of a young girl, or you know, we might yeah. extrapolate that and say the Holocaust. It's not to belittle the difficulties right. that, that afflict Christians in thinking about those issues, but it is to say the Bible itself acknowledges the wickedness of the world right. but provides no answer here and now to how to address that beyond the fact that we know that evil will ultimately be subverted. I prefer to use the language of subversion rather than God uses evil for good. I think what God does is he does not allow evil to have the last word. He subverts it uh, ultimately. And the issue of homosexuality, of course, is perhaps the big one of our, our generation. What I appreciate about his approach to homosexuality is he's very clear what the Bible's teaching on homosexuality is and says that he decided to ignore right. those bits, which strikes me as a refreshingly right. honest approach, as right. opposed to many liberal Christians who attempt to yes. twist mm-hmm. the Bible to their own social agenda. Campolo, full marks, I think, for his honesty on what the Bible sure. actually teaches about homosexuality. 
Right, right. And it's interesting because mm-hmm. one of the things that he and, and this is where I <clears throat> see a a very uh, sad and I think ultimately frustrating inconsistency in Bart Campolo's view, which is he desires the benefits of Christianity. He desires the things that only Christianity can really sustain, but he doesn't want any of the, any of the encumbrances of doctrine. So he wants a coherent platform from which to do works of justice, acts of love. Even he talks about um, uh, losing your life for the sake of others. But he doesn't mm. want Jesus mm-hmm. or the cross That's or the resurrection. Say, he doesn't want Christ. Right. right. And, and I mean, he, and to the point where he says he wants to create a church right. for people who <laughs> don't believe in God. Right, right. Where there's going to be singing and, and uh, inspiring talks and even <clears throat> potlucks, but without... Christ and without God, and so this is this is the the conundrum for the atheist: is are there any truly consistent atheists? That's why I think there's actually very few real atheists, but but merely yeah. hopeful mm-hmm. atheists, people who do yeah. not want a God to tell them what to do or what to believe, but they cling desperately to the benefits of a theistic worldview, even more specifically a Christian worldview because as paul acknowledged there's no hope without it yeah i think nietzsche puts the uh, issue very clearly when he portrays the madman in his book the gay science mm. where the madman rushes into the town square and he's addressing the atheists it's the atheists who are in the town right. square and he says to them do you not know what you have done you've killed god you can't just wander around the town square as if nothing has happened in your polite outfits, carrying on your polite conversations. Uh, the <laughs> universe has been plunged into darkness and chaos. Now, Nietzsche sees no option other than to plunge the universe into darkness and chaos, but demands that the atheists face up to what they have done. And I think when, when you see uh, somebody like Bart Campolo, or I would say somebody like Bertrand Russell, for example, mm. what you often see is people projecting an image of what they approve of, Uh, Mm -hmm. onto the universe in general, making their own values transcendent ones, uh, when in fact those values are, they're not built on sand, they're built on nothing at all. These are castles in the air that they're Mm. building. Uh, I would far rather deal with an honest atheist of a Nietzschean variety than the polite liberal atheists of New York uh, coffee Mm -hmm. bar society. Right, right. Yeah, and, and again, it's it's the demand for transcendence without the encumbrance of God, and I would, you know, I would want to say to to Bart Campolo that any desire on his part to serve and to uh, to lose his life for the sake of others is incomprehensible in his now chosen worldview. Um, uh, he, when he says that all the dogma and the death and resurrection of Jesus stuff was not the attraction. And so yeah. it's not surprising that he, is, that he has departed from Christianity because simply doing good works cannot carry the freight for this. Yeah. Um, I need the cross and the resurrection, and I, would rec- and I would suggest that everybody needs the cross and the resurrection if they're going to make any sense out of a life that says, I'm going to give up my life for the sake of someone else. Yeah. Well, there's the irony. I mean, he says he wants to give his life to a different gospel. <laughs> and so right. he wants to serve others as a humanist chaplain. But really, um, 
it's leading them to total despair. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine right. um, going to a humanist chaplain and leaving with hope. Right. Where is your right. hope? Yeah. There is no hope. Yes. Yeah. There is no God. Um, there's nothing after you die. Have a great day. I mean, the, you just can't yeah. do You're a good that. person. And, that, and that's... Yeah, and again, that's where I think Paul, you're, or, or, uh, <laughs> I almost called Carl Paul, um, but Ooh, Carl, that's, that's a mistake you... that people are often making. Yeah, well, you know, again, the connection between the honesty, the the honesty of the Apostle Paul, and and the conclusions that Nietzsche drew, the honesty of the mm-hmm. Apostle Paul saying, if there is no resurrection, let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That apart from the dying and the rising of Christ, the best way to live is to serve your appetites to the utmost because there's nothing beyond that. And that's honesty. Yeah, let's party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Well, before we wrap up, I, I, I did also just want to mention the fact that in this article by Jonathan Merritt, you, you have a, a conversation and a, and a dynamic being described between a father and a son. And, you know, who can't feel the sadness for the father? Yeah as he grieves over his son. And he desperately wants his son to be a Christian. He desperately wants his son yeah. uh, to, to be a believer. And it's always appropriate to pray for a family in that situation and to pray that the Lord grants repentance and faith because ultimately uh, those things are gifts of grace. And so if you think about it, we would encourage you to pray for the Campolo family and uh, to pray that Tony Campolo has wisdom um, and grace to know how to continue to woo his son. Yeah, yeah. So, well, we're uh, we're glad you joined us today, and uh, hope that this has spurred some thought in your mind, perhaps uh, an encouragement or two in how you think about uh, the necessity of our confession of faith, that Christianity is not just a platform for our good works, but it's something to believe, something in which our hope is grounded in, far beyond what we do but in what Christ has done in his dying and his rising. Thank you for joining us uh, for this uh, edition of Bully Pulpit, and we'll hope to see you again sometime soon. Maybe it didn't take all of my life to find you. But you can believe it's going to take the rest of my life to keep you. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. The Alliance is a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen who hold the historical creeds and confessions of the Reformed faith and who proclaim biblical doctrine in order to foster a Reformed awakening in today's church. Visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, to download Creeds, Confessions, and Catechisms, an MP3 message by Rev. Ken Jones. And be sure to join us next week on Mortification of Spin to hear Carl, Todd, and Amy shoot the breeze with another middle-aged, bald, yet not-so-bitter pastor. Do you mind if I refer to you as a middle-aged, bald guy? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> that was middle, wasn't it? Todd and I are middle-aged ball guys, so we want to say that we're, we're bringing a third middle-aged ball guy yeah. as the program. It's, it's, it's today, an affinity so. group that, that we're yeah. happy to be a part of. They'll talk about transformationism, two-kingdom theology, and much more. Find out who it is next week on Mortification of Spin. And don't forget to visit mortificationofspin.org to download your free MP3. We'll talk to you again next week. 
That was very soothing and sensitive at the end. Wasn't of the that yeah. soothing and sensitive? Soothed and sensitized Ooh. by the time you, you know, finished. It, it's hard for me to stay awake when I hear myself talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think we can say it's hard for anyone to stay awake when I start talking. <laughs> Might want to work on that behind the pulpit then. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I take the pulpits and immediately go into soothing. We turn the heat up a little bit. We dim the lights. Yeah. <laughs> 